here is Joshua Loya, a.k.a. Joshua the Jedi. I have with me a, uh, a, a man with a pretty powerful story. Like me, he's able to read in the dark, and he loves adventuring and all kinds of so fun stuff. What's up, Mr. Tanner Gears? How are you? I am doing very... Oh, wait, Gears. I messed up your name. Crap. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I count on... Uh, I used to only have to count on one hand how many times someone would see my name and like pronounce it correctly. Um, you know, voiceover and Jaws say it so many different <laughs> ways. But yeah, seven people across my lifetime have 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 seen my name read my name and and said gears so okay yeah so for reference for those of you who uh like us use a speech to text or a text-to-speech engine it is gears but uh what's up mate i, I was reading up a little, little bit up on your story and uh you know like you got kind of a gnarly one mm. yeah you know um Maybe uh, encapsulate that. I mean, uh, you've done something that I plan to do once they add surfing to the Olympics or the Paralympics. They're not there yet, but you've uh, represented the this flawed but deeply uh, loved country. Yeah, it's all fake news. <laughs> so I, there's a ton of stuff on me online. I don't know who posts that. Um, it's on your website. Is it? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> the hackers. Uh, so yeah, so, uh, um, yeah. And when I was, uh, when I was 21, I was in a really bad auto accident. It was March 28th, 2004. And I woke up in the hospital like six weeks later or so totally blind. So just an all American type of kid growing up, playing every sport, doing everything, I think the one thing that was really different about my childhood was that we never really lived in one place much. When I share how many times we moved before I even started high school, people were like, oh, military. And I'm like, no, just poor. <laughs> I, I can relate, man. I can relate. I, I, I lived in an apartment uh, with my wife. We, we actually just recently moved. But we, we lived in that apartment for 10 years. And I'm like, I've never lived anywhere for that long. Like I was usually always like, Every year, year and change, you know, my mom and I were moving somewhere. I mean, local to our area. Did you travel across the country or just in the same general Arizona spot that you got? No, all over the South. So I was born in Lafayette, Louisiana, Milton, Louisiana, a couple different towns in Louisiana, in Louisiana area, but Southern Louisiana. I've lived in Jacksonville, Florida, Orlando, Florida, Mobile, Alabama, Houston, Texas, Anaheim, California. Um, and then we finally moved to Tucson, Arizona when I was in the middle of eighth grade. So I did all of that, you know, more cities and towns and places than grades graduated. And, um, yeah. And so I think that that just, you know, need and this, and, and to put it in even greater context, I lived in Houston before we lived, uh, before we moved to Tucson, Arizona, we moved, um, we lived in Houston, Texas for three and a half years. So, you know, I moved a ton when I was a kid and I think that the, the common ground that we created in whatever environment we found ourselves, how we made friends, how we fit in, how we adapted was through sport. And when you're always the new kid, you always have to be good, <laughs> you know? So, because, you know, you know how it is, like, you know, people have their spots and, and you know, there's trust and relationships there. Yep. And so you're always disrupting that. And if you're not good, then you're not looked at. And, um, so that's how, that's how me and my brother did it. 
you you accomplished it in the opposite way, way for me. I, I moved around. I was not a naturally athletic kid growing up, but I did move around a lot. Looking at you, and, it seems like that. <laughs> and the difference is, is I was not athletic, athletic at all. Yeah. And so I didn't make that impact. So mm. that, that probably, uh, I could see where though, that would be a big motivator having that as a, as a way to, you're like, all right, man, I better do something and better make a mark. Cause otherwise you get marked on yourself and end up getting your head stuffed in trash cans. Like I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, exactly <laughs> right. Because in school, I mean, yeah, you know, like no one like kids are cruel, dude. Kids are incredibly cruel. And, you know, especially when you have a last name like mine and you moved around so much. And I remember when I moved to Tucson, Arizona, this is in eighth grade, you know, from Houston, Texas. And, you know, I had I had a southern draw. I'm like, you know, I would say y'all. And you know, the the school district that I was at didn't even have a high school. The middle school in Houston had over twenty five hundred kids, and this place didn't even have a high school. Right. So it was it was podunk middle of nowhere. And and they were still making fun of you for saying y'all. They were yeah, in in <laughs> southern Arizona. You're like, you're more freaking podunk than I am. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, I was like, clearly you guys have never been outside of Pima County because Houston, Texas, the fourth largest city in the nation, is not really what you think it is. So yeah, I mean, um, but yeah, kids are cruel, and, and so it's like, you know, and I was I was always uh, a little guy, you know, like right now, I'm I'm um, I'm pretty muscle bound right now, right, probably a little too much, and um, but I'm I'm only five eight, and you know, so you know, it's like even more so, right? Like when you're the short guy. And, you know, you're the new kid and people are picking on you in school and they want to fight you. Um, you know, what are you going to do about it? And so it was that it was that sports piece. You know, it was that sports piece that said, you know, it gave me a level playing field to establish right. myself and just kind of be like, hey, like, I'm no chop. Well, and then, you know, I've learned never to underestimate the little guys, like, you know, especially with uh, jujitsu in the last you know, a few years that I've delved more deeply into that. That's awesome. The toughest guy, the toughest guys to grapple are always the little five, like even shorter than you, like five, four, five, five former college wrestlers. I'm like, dude, I've been doing the martial arts for 15 plus years. And this little guy who's like a freaking white belt is beating the crap out of me. What's going on? It's like, Oh, okay. He's a former wrestler and he's a little tiny, little wiry guy. I, okay. That changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think about Royce Gracie too. You know, he's not, he's not a, a ginormous man. And Hoist is a tiny guy, man. Yeah. Hoist is a total Hoist, tiny guy. For yeah. No, that's all right. Well, that's okay. We, we, we know that you're not pretending mm -hmm. to, to be a jujitsu person because mm -hmm. I, no, but I, I just started <laughs> it confuses people when they see the Portuguese side of thing. They're like, they're the, you know, Brazilian names and Portuguese names are like, where's the R come from? Like that yeah. doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Well this, I just started a new uh, <clears throat> career and they're all into jujitsu, the CEO down to the sales reps. And I just found a, uh, I don't know if it's a dojo, but I just found a training facility, uh, you know, in my neighborhood that, you know, when shit calms down, um, you know, the, the, the vid, is no longer among us as significantly. I'm going to be going and I'm pissed because I just saw Kevin Hart's new comedy special. Right. I was the only motherfucker saying vid 
calling it the vid until he did on his i was pissed yeah. dude i was people like the i vid. was watching uh i was actually watching josh potter's uh podcast because he's, he's a the little cockroach on the what your mom's house group or whatever he was calling it the vid so a couple people were there i was still calling it the rona for the longest time yeah yeah the other one i not like as, is not, not as hip as you are apparently well the other one i like is cerveza sickness <laughs> <laughs> so i pissed a bunch of people off in like i don't know it was right when we had heard about it mm-hmm. and i don't i don't even think the lockdowns had happened yet yeah. and i had posted a, a picture to my instagram of i i had uh an ice pack on my head i had i made it look like i was super sweaty i had an old school thermometer in my my mouth mm-hmm. i was holding a nyquil day and night formula mm-hmm. And uh, I was holding a Corona beer and I said, I made a, my, the meme text was, I made a big mistake. <laughs> and, and the thing is that was funny for a couple of days. And then literally like within a week, you know, like then people, people were still seeing it. Pe- yeah. People were like, I, I had actually one of my uh, actually uh, current uh, karate instructors uh, call me up. It's like, come on, Joshua. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 well aware of getting myself into trouble for social media posts. Oh man, you got to be careful on the social. <laughs> Is it, like I think like guys like us, you know, we live like these different lives, right? And so where right. it's not so normal, where we just like go to work and come home, we have the family and stuff. Like we have to get attention. And in today's like <laughs> you know cancel and call out culture, you know, it's just ridiculous where people have become so sensitive. Um, and the, the changes happen so dramatically, so fast. It's, it is insane. Like, you know, in high school and I'll probably get in trouble for this, but you know, like throwing candies, you know, in, in girls tops, you know, they got the spaghetti tops, they got the, you know, they got huge tits and it's like, Hey, you know, and, and it wasn't like, you know, it was like, (laughs) you know, it was all fun and games. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, but you know, on- there's a diff- there's a huge difference though between tossing uh, candies into somebody's push up bra and like forcibly removing that bra and you know what I mean. Th- th- exactly. There's a there's a, there's a line. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just been it's been you know this uh, society that we live in today is just um, it's just interesting. And so you know, as we try to navigate this, right, as we try to you know grab attention in this like goldfish brain attention society um you know it's tough and so we try to push the line and push the line and push the line and um so that we can stay relevant so that we can stay important so that we can stay top of mind and not be normal in air quotes right and and it's dangerous well and i think it's and i think you're right though like for you know a little bit that i've learned about you and just just chatting here like we're I don't think like me, you're wired for kind of normal life, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I had like a, a nice safe job teaching people how to use uh, technology and stuff like, and you know, I quit cause I chafed at working in an office. It was reliable. I had health insurance. They paid for my fucking acupuncture, <laughs> <laughs> but I also, I, I felt like, uh, a, a little bit like, uh, like Jack in fight club, mm. Ed Norton's character, yeah. I was like, I'm going to, you know, and um, when you try to find your way doing something a little bit not normal, 
There's a lot of people who won't understand. A lot of people think you're stupid or, or wasting your effort. You know, people are like, well, why don't you come out and hang out with us? You're like, yeah, I got to get up and like work out at like 630 tomorrow. Like I can't go out after nine o'clock at night, like, yeah. what you, you know, or like, uh, you know, I went, um, skateboarding just for fun. I'm not even a professional skateboarder or competitive. I was like, well, shoot, you know, you're dude, you can't see shit. What the hell are you doing on a skateboard? Mm-hmm. I'm like, because it's fun. How young are you? <laughs> I'm 40. Yeah, yeah. See, and that that even shows like how much like you know hair you have on gigantic balls, right? Like because when you're 40, dude, manscaped motherfucker. I I I, I clen- clip that the shit. proverbial hair. <laughs> My nuts are pretty clean too. Okay. <laughs> uh, but you know because like you know I'm 37. I'm going to be 38 pretty soon, and right. you know the body is just not performing the same you know it's just and so when we have this this mileage and we're doing these big things you know going skateboarding going surfing yeah. you know yeah. uh, running into fence post you know whatever you do um it can put I you don't down usually do that by choice Mm-mm. it's not it's not inten- <laughs> it never is intentional it's never intentional but you know like um and then the other thing too is you know just this unique circumstance of like knowing what it is before and what it is right now being able to yeah. wear a different pair of shoes and understand what, you know, what that mile feels like, that marathon feels like wearing a different pair of shoes, I think has given me so much perspective on, on life and other issues that are going on. Like, I'm not, I'm not, uh, this might sound like counter or, uh, uh, like an opposition to what I was just saying about how sensitive we are, but you know, I never realized how much discrimination people with disabilities face until I became um, you know, one with you a never know. I think there's a difference between being overly sensitive and being conscientious, right? Yeah, like, well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it's a contradiction. I mean, like, you know, you were just talking about Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart makes tons of jokes and comments and things, and P- and you know, by context, it's a fucking comedy show, right. but he's not going to like go out of his way to not be funny and to be mean. Yeah. Yeah. You well, know? I heard, I heard, uh, Joe Rogan defend Kanye West, who I think is Looney Tunes. Right. But I love how he defends Kanye West. And he's like, yeah, because we only see him in these like sound bites. Right. Yep. And so we're trying to boil like a man who is like this incredible creative genius, you know, with this stream of consciousness that's flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing with these incredible Incredibly deep thoughts where his mind is quickly going way faster than his mouth ever could. And so we try to boil down one person's entire life into, you know, one or two sentences. And that's just not, that's not real. And I feel, you know, bringing it back full circle is when, you know, I step into the hospital or a doctor's office or a restaurant or in public. And I saw how people just treated me differently. I am no different. Like I just happened to have like lost my sight and, you know, people won't talk to me or won't help me. Or the, the one, the one thing that like, I was like only blind for a couple months and my mom and I were, uh, I'm 21 years old. My mom and I are eating at Chili's and we're sitting in the bar because like, you don't have to wait to get a table. And so we sit down at the bar and my mom got the fajitas (laughs) and I got the Cadillac nachos and, you know, my mom orders for it first and then she, you know, then I order, I'm like, yeah, I want the Cadillac nachos with, you know, steak and without missing a beat, she turns to my mom, I'm 21 fucking years old. She turns to my mom and says, is it okay if he orders that? 
see that's see I thought you were that's on a different level. I was going to suggest you know because I've gotten this where they go, what would he like? I've never had somebody double check that I ordered okay. That's yeah. That's is, wow. it, is it okay? Like, is he capable of eating that? Is that all right? Like, you know, is 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 it? <laughs> Could you be more paternalistic? I was Holy like, crap. I was like, bitch, <laughs> go get me a beer. You, you know, like get the. Fu- I was like, <laughs> have you ever had this one? I actually had this happen to me. I was at a Seven Eleven. This happened to me twice, actually. Uh, I went into a Seven Eleven, and uh, there's a Mex. There's one right next to the one of my favorite Mexican places here where I live. And I was going to get like a nice little tall boy because it's San Diego. So we have tons of like craft beer, even at the, even at the Seven Eleven. It's pretty convenient. It's very convenient. Uh, and <laughs> so I asked the guy to help me find the beer that I want. And he goes, you blind? I'm like, yeah, well, you're, you're, impa- you're impaired enough already. You should, it's, it's not safe. You know, it's not safe. You should order a Pepsi or something. Oh, he was being serious. He was serious. Wow. He straight up got to the, you know, it got to the point where I actually, fortunately enough, my, my, uh, my first real primary martial arts instructor is also a lawyer. He still lived in the area at the time. And even after, like, he, he actually was like, oh, I'm done working. I'll, I'll swing by. Comes by the, the 7-Eleven and still, even after plopping down his, uh, his business card with his law number, or his bar number on it. The guy was still like, nope, no, it's, he's not, you know, if he gets his nurse to, or to buy it, then I'll sell it to him. Wow. It was acting like I was going to drink beer in his parking lot or something. You know, it's like, I do, I live a block and a half away. I'm not going to drink it in your parking lot. I'm going to get it. I'm going to go home and I'm going to enjoy it where I would normally choose to enjoy it. Come on, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and you know, just, and so that, you know, growing up in the deep South, Right. And being around, and then, you know, on top of that, um, you know, my mom, um, you know, t- uh, studied uh, literature and was like a college writing professor. And so we were around a diverse group of lifestyles, you know, and, sure. and so, you know, that was, you know, being in the South, that was ethnic, being uh, in that, you know, like creative writing literature space yep. that was, you know, it was gay, it was lesbian, it was trans, yep. it was, you know, all different kinds. And then my mom uh, had me volunteer at Easter Seals before I had a disability. And so, you know, I was just around so much diversity that people were just people. And it's just crazy to me that, you know, I, I thank God that my mom taught me the wherewithal that like people are people, everybody's different. Right. And, but, but it was like through the saturation of experience that helped me get there. And so it normalized it. So by the time you got there, you, I don't know, was it less of a shock or was just the shock of actually experiencing it? Finally, was the, the thing that was the most well, different. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to pivot for me. So, I mean, yes, to answer your question directly. Yeah. It was shocking as fuck. Like, I didn't understand, like, why people would do this. And, but then it made me think, like, like, I had, you know, a ton of black friends. And it was like, I didn't, I didn't, and Mexicans. And I didn't appreciate, like, what they deal with on the regular basis just because of how okay, they Okay, I got look, you. I got you. You know, and so, and so, you know, as, as I, be, you know, as I became the difference, then I began to realize like, oh shit. So like I, I studied, um, 
you know, in my, uh, in my graduate uh, work, I studied um, a concentration in human resources. And I took this class and I was pissed when I was reading this book. And I was like, you know, it was talking about my privilege. And I was like, fuck, man, this, this is like this super ultra left wing, like just, you know, and I'm, I'm not like right wing or left wing or whatever, but I just felt like, oh, this is like, you're trying to like put me into this. Was box. this pre-injury or no, no this or was just like a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. And uh, I was like, oh, you're just trying to put me in this box. But then I read this paragraph where it's like, I began to realize like, oh my God, like I can't even, I'm like, I can't, I'm blind to my own privilege. Right. I'm blind to my own privilege. And I was like, fuck, God damn it. This is so right. You know, and 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 that's how ingrained it is into our society. Right. Like even as me, as someone who's so, you know, exposed to so much diversity that even myself, like I was, you know, basically at at some deep level bias, like unconscious bias. Hang on. Were you like I'm, I'm kind of thinking back. Um, <clears throat> were you the guy who wrote the blind privilege article? I don't think so. Okay, there was a because um, I know you're active with the NFB down in Arizona. There was a real famous like uh, it was published the beginning of this year about the idea of cited privilege. Mm. No, I, I didn't write that article. Okay. Mm-mm. No, I, I like to write. And so that's why I was okay. like, oh, I'm not sure. But uh, no. <laughs> no it, it, what it was is that you're touching on some of that same uh, dynamic. And I think that when you start talking about privilege, I, I think you run into t- like a couple of different issues that complicate it a little bit. It's a loaded term. And I think that it, it speaks to a really important reality. It also tends to raise certain people's hackles up real quick. And when they hear privilege, they hear, oh, that means that I didn't work for this or that or that. And that's, it's no, it's not that. Yeah. It's not that. And and then the other thing is I have some very reasonable people uh, that I'm close to who can't, who have a really strong bias against the describing of an issue in terms of the problem without without kind of encapsulating where the solution lies. Mm. And so they, they, they really, um, bristle at the verbiage of privilege, but are totally willing to admit that there are inherent disadvantages to different classes for different people. (laughs) Uh, You know I mean? So, so the actual idea they're there. I'm listening to that. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like it, but it becomes, very difficult to talk about. And I think sometimes the solution is the recognition of the privilege. And that's honestly, sometimes that's all it need, all there needs to be. Well, you don't, it's just a recognition that it exists. Well, right. And, and it can be even lighter than that is like, is it, is it, you know, we, we know scientifically that everybody has unconscious bias, right? Because we have no control yep. over the nature that we were raised into. Okay, so right. we, it, it takes effort to overcome an ingrained way of thinking. Exactly. No, I mean, if your grandmother, if your racist great grandmother, was saying stuff about whatever race, you yep. know, when you were in the womb, or when you were a baby, or when you know, until the recorder 
uh, you know, turned off at what, you know, whatever the, the theoretical age might be, the literal age, you know, some people say it's seven, some people say it's five, you know, whatever it is, when the recorder of your unconscious mind, the constant recorder turned off, like you have no control over that. And so we have this unconscious bias, you know, the weird thing is, right? So, so I'm in a mixed marriage. And I, okay. and I have a, uh, you know, so I have a biracial daughter and I have a disability and I have a, I have a physical deformity in my face, right? Like I look. Right. Cause you had part of the, your, your, uh, basically tree go through your skull, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, like basically half of my forehead's an implant, um, you know, the, the, my, uh, my entire left, like eye like area is a skin graft and, you know, somehow, some way they put my face back together and I don't have a left eye. I don't, I don't, my face was blown off to such a degree that I don't, I can't close even with the skin graph. I can't close the lid because I don't have any muscle in there to control the movement. So it's just static. And, you know, my daughter looks at me, she, you know, she's not, you know, she looks at her mom, looks totally different than me. Right. And so, you know, she's going to grow up with an unconscious bias that's going to be mm-hmm. different than someone, some baby who grew up in, you know, you know, podunk wherever, where only white people are around and probably some racial ideas, uh, some epithets are commonly spoken. Like, th- and that person has no ability those little children have no ability to control that stop that or prevent the unconsciousness the unconscious bias from being embedded and and they're reprimanded if they have an independent streak they're often reprimanded for speaking against it right and so before you even recognize that there might be privilege is is could you recognize could you appreciate that you might have unconscious bias because if you might have unconscious bias, then maybe there's some privilege that you might not be aware of. You know, we're, we're everybody except for one person is privileged. Everybody except for one person in the world. And that one person is the person who has it the worst off over everybody else. So at one degree or another, we all have the privilege. I think that's the important thing that people fail to recognize is there are and you turn the lights off. You and I are the best equipped people in the in the room. Bro, watch out! <laughs> <laughs> Let's play hide and seek with the lights off. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's like you said. Let's read with the lights off. You know. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's like we forget. You know, we forget how good we got it until it's gone. And I use I, I try to turn it around when I'm explaining it to other people. Like no one like um, ever like if you've ever had like serious back pain or serious pain, like all you can think about is that pain. And then as soon as the painkiller kicks in, or as soon as something takes it away, like you stop thinking about the pain. It's like you forgot about it. Yep. It's like it never happened. I don't know if you guys heard anything, but I totally just almost threw my laptop on the ground. <laughs> Uh, we'll keep excited. this in. We'll, we'll keep this in for for, for uh, excitement. So, so we're we're uh, that's what blind people do. We break things on accident all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's perpetuate some more stereotypes. Let's do if you it. Want. Yeah. I'm also deaf. 
Do you actually have any hearing impairment for real? So, yeah, I do. Uh, I was diagnosed hard of hearing when I could see. Uh, it's in my right ear, which sucks for beat baseball. It sucks for basically any blind sport. When um, Except for running and jumping, I guess, right? No, I was just about to explain why it is applicable to uh, long jump. So if you can – so. If anybody doesn't know, a blind person, a totally blind person who long jumps has a spotter by the jump board at the end of the runway. And so they line me up, right? And then they go, they run over to the jump board and they're like, you know, they have different verbal calls and different approaches, but mine went something like this. Go, go, go. And then as you get closer, go, 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 go. Right? And so, which is great. They typically, someone stands between excuse me, between the jump board and the sand pit, right in the middle. Because most people can hear evenly. And so you run right towards mm. the sound. But but if you're if you're not able to zero in and aim at that. If if it sounds stronger on one side than it does the other, you're gonna turn. You're gonna you're gonna go that way. And yep. so what we did to compensate for that is that I had my spotter actually stand on the side of the runway and I would use the differential. He would reach his hands out over the track some. And so he was clapping like three feet away or however long his hands are. Not three feet. It's not, you know, yeah, it's a, <laughs> the longest. <laughs> what do you got? Like stretch arms strong for your spotter? You know, a distance away from his mouth, right? And so I would use that zone. I would know that, okay, that's the zone that I need to be going into. Did you find that there's, um, that you had to be careful of danger as you got close? I mean, the danger was, is that me missing the pit. So, so, but that, but that you would say that that area near the pit where there was the most danger was a particularly disastrous zone, AKA a. All right. I'm, I was trying <laughs> channeling Archer here. I was trying to get you to say danger zone, but you're not a gullible soul. <laughs> Uh, I was well. I mean, I was having. You're like, where the hell is he going with this? I was having flashbacks. I was, I was thinking of Danger Zone, like so many flashbacks of me, like you know, jumping 20 feet into the air and then you know landing on my ass and back on the track surface. Oh, because you didn't, and so instead of landing on sand, the surface where you're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, I at the last second, I turned a different direction and jumped completely out of the way yeah yeah I, I i am fortunate enough that i do the most hearing loss i have uh comes from playing in bands and going to con and yeah exactly playing in bands going to concerts and forgetting to wear earplugs yeah so i get a little bit of tinnitus from time to time but for the most part my hearing is still pretty much in play. I like to say I'm batting 500 on the senses. I can touch like a motherfucker. My touch is so good, right? And I think that <laughs> despite my hearing loss, it's sensitive, yeah. But um, but I also can't smell. The only thing I can really smell is like vinegar. Like so, you don't have any idea if you got the vid, then, do you? Mm. -mm. Because you can't smell. If if you if you stop tasting shit, you're like, oh crap. <laughs> my my palms are super hairy, so I don't know if that's the vid. Um. I think that's a different problem. That's a different problem. Mm. <laughs> I have to ask my doctor. <laughs> um, when uh, so you got so you're in a sprinter and a long jumper though, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, how did you get into that? Because I wasn't now granted you were already into athletics prior to, um, you know, you played lacrosse and stuff and you, at, uh, at the college level. And that's, dude, that's a badass sport. Oh my God. Um, I didn't, I was not particularly athletic. And so I kind of found mine just by accident. Cause I was, had all this interest in doing stuff. Um, and only in the last, you know, however many years since I started competing on a, any significant, significant level, have I fallen in love with sports again? Um, were you just into it the whole time and you were like, crap, I got to like work out because I don't want to be a fat tub of lard or what was the, how did you get into competing and the whole, I mean, there aren't, aren't a whole lot of people who go, oh yeah, I know exactly the steps necessary to become a Paralympian. Yeah, I did. I had no clue. And so, um, I actually started playing beat baseball first. Like that was just uh, a gift that the universe gave me how I even found out about beat, beat, beat baseball. So I should have been playing like that's, you know, my mom knew like sports, like I was, I'm not even a sports fan. I just love to compete. And like, I don't know who's winning right now in the NFL. Like, I don't know. I don't know dick about dick on sports. Okay. All right. You're, you're, you're a kindred spirit then. I barely pay attention to any of that stuff. So yeah, I, I know nada about it. And, um, you know, what, what I do know is like, Hey, if I've got a business meeting and I know someone like is a, you know, whatever fan, I will see, Hey, who, you know, what's the score? (laughs) I'll, I'll ask Siri, you know, but, uh, anyway, the, um, yeah. So I found out about beat baseball in 08 and then, um, 2010, this adaptive sports coach, um, you know, and I started like throwing the javelin. That sounds like so much fun. Well, I was just like, <laughs> you know, I laughed in that dude's face. He's like, oh man, Tanner, like you're so good at baseball. You hit the ball so far. You're fast. So cool. Yeah. Have you ever thought about throwing the javelin? <laughs> I was like, like, no. Say what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, I mean, since when would a blind guy ever think about throwing spears as far as possible? <laughs> you know, I was like, no. And he's like, well, you know, and so if, and if anybody knows anything about the, the javelin, it's super. Do people die from that shit? The javelin catch. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is real. It's no longer a sport. Did you ever play with, uh, uh, lawn, darts. lawn darts yes <laughs> that, that was a real toy that they had back when you and i were kids i think yeah. it was still around yeah. they were around yeah yeah let's give kids like like freaking deadly weapons with no safety warning on the package at all dude we are an amazingly <laughs> dumb and yet res- incredibly resilient species um anyway yeah and so i was like it's super stressful i broke my back in my accident too and so you know, the javelin's very... Do you have any paralyzation left or, uh, or or neuropathy or that kind of shit? I have an erection that won't stop. I guess your wife's not complaining. No, she is. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, come on! Uh, it won't die. Um, no, I, no I'm, I'm very grateful. It's just pain. I just said pain. And uh, so the... Um, so I saw... I put that down and then I was like, oh shit, like... If they let blind guys throw spears, you're like, what else can we do? So, um, you know, it was middle of 2010. Like the season was basically over. There was no, you know, it's like late in the season, right? So there's no chance for me to do anything. So I'm just, then I start like, all right, what do I got to do to become a Paralympian? And um, 
So there was no track club in Tucson would take me, not the University of Arizona, not um, there was uh, a professional female sprinter who was running a track club down in Tucson. She wouldn't take me. No one would take me. And so then I found that uh, Arizona Disabled Sports in Phoenix had a track program and they met on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Um, so I took or 9 a.m. And so I took the um, I took the 5:30 a.m. bus to get up to Phoenix on time, and then I would practice for a couple hours, and then I would take the 12 12:30 bus home, and um, that's what I did on Saturdays. And then during the week, um, I uh, was paying for a coach. Uh, just a one-on-one personal trainer coach to do some sprinting with me and get me trained up. And, um, then that, then I, when I qualified, um, so my first, um, meet was in, was May 4th, 2011. And I qualified for nationals. And, um, this is a pretty interesting story. So like, I wanted to be a sprinter all the way, all the way. And I think that this is like, I'm, I'm sharing this story because it's a parallel to life. Like if there's something you want, like for me is I just wanted to be a Paralympian. And so if there's something that you want to do, it's like, what do you, like, like, you know, the, the original path that you think that you might have to take to get there may maybe not be the right path. And so like, I can relate. <laughs> I'm training my ass off to be a sprinter. And I'm like, I'm looking at the standards like, you know, you have to meet certain qualifications. Right. To, you have to finish this distance and this time or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm like, and I call my coach, I'm in Phoenix. It's, it's May 3rd. The track meets the next day. And I'm looking at the standards on my computer and I'm like, Judy, like, I'm not going to make it. And she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm not going to make the standard. And she's like, yeah, you're going to be fine. I'm like, Judy, I'm looking at the fucking standard. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to make it. I, I, you know, I haven't hit this time before. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want you to call me down the runway. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, the long jump. She's like, I'm not calling you. De- You've never done it. You haven't done it. I was but like, you're only shot at basically at qualifying for the team. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I tell her, I'm like, I can jump this far. I know it. Just call me down the runway. So Lex Gillette, who's the world record holder. I've, I've actually been privileged to, to meet the guy. He's local down in this area. He not, yeah. we don't, we're not like friends or anything, but. I'd, yeah. He lives in Chula. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, super awesome cat. Love Lex. And uh, so, you know, Lex is there. He's at the the meet. And his, like, first or second jump, like, he sets a new world record. You're like, like, you're like, oh, I'm fucked. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, (laughs) you could take that perspective. You know, that's one perspective. Well, that's one one easily understood uh, response, I guess, you know. So his caller, Wes Williams, was like, hey, I'll call Tanner down the runway. This motherfucker called me down the runway. That's rad. Yeah. So anyway, I ended up qualifying in the 100, the 200, and the long jump. I ended up, I did end up qualifying for nice. all three. Yeah. But, um, but, um, you know, and so it's like, you know, I desperately wanted to be a sprinter, and I did make the Paralympic team for the four by 100 meter relay, but, um, but I really made it because I was the long jumper, and to me, I didn't care how I got there. Like the important thing was to just have. You just wanted to get there. Yeah, Yeah. just wanted that flag on the chest. So, how did you end up? What was your? uh, 
when you finally went, you were in, went to London or which, which yeah, London I was in you 2012 made? in London. Yeah. So I was blind. I was blind seven years before I ever started running track. Got to start somewhere, man. Yeah. Like I mean, I was, I'm pissed, right? I was like, I should have been in fucking Beijing. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, I, 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 I get it too. Cause so like when I quit my, um, I quit my job in 2016. I had done mostly traditional and self-defense based martial arts. It was all more, had no interest in competition mm-hmm. really. Yeah. And, um, there was a judo class right after the, the BJJ class. I'd only been doing jiu-jitsu maybe a handful of years. And there was a judo class right after I'm like, well, huh, this is kind of fun. And so I, I, judo's harder than almost any martial art. Like those guys are, and, and ladies that, that do judo, that's it's seriously one of the hardest martial arts you'll ever do. Oh. And I was like, well, I'm going to take a crack at Tokyo. It was see if I can make my other martial arts stuff carry over. And if I had started maybe in judo at the same time that I started uh, Kempo, which was the first art that I studied, mm-hmm. I might've had a shot. Yeah. But, um, you know, you, you take it differently. You get there by any way you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I apparently am good at surfing. We'll see if I'm have functioning limbs when they finally add it in 2028. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a super – why am I forgetting his name? I interviewed him. I'm going to connect you with this like crazy successful surfer. Um, you, you probably already know him and have like interviewed him or something. You talk, are you talking about Scott? Mm-mm. No. Why oh. am I forgetting his name? It sucks. We're Facebook Side guy or, or he's cited. Uh, yeah, he's cited. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, one of the, he's like one of the win- most winningest surfers of all time. Well, there's a few. I mean, you obviously you got Kelly Slater and you got Tom, Tom Kern and you got, uh, Kyle Lenny, you got, uh, Josh Loya, who's the other guy that's has my same name. Actually, there's a, there's a few, there's a lot of dope people out Do there. Do you like Josh or Joshua? I prefer Joshua, but you know, I don't get mad. Cause like, honestly, sometimes like. You know, I hang out with a bunch of surfers and jujitsu people mm-hmm. and skaters and people. You know, people shorten everything yeah. in San Diego, so I don't. I don't get mad. Uh, thanks for the. I clear. prefer it. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it, Steve. <laughs> no problem, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I gotta say, you, you say you're from a. Uh, you know, you, you're talking about the the biracial marriage and stuff. Yeah. You have the whitest fucking name out of anybody I've ever met. Yeah, well, I am white. Like, like, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I, I, but it's like nobody's gonna go. Tanner, oh, he must be Chinese. Okay, yeah, you know, yeah. like, I get black a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, funny enough, you said you're from Lafayette. My yeah. my current surf coach yeah. is from Lafayette. Oh man, the waves, the waves of the Lafayette beaches are killer. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny though. He, I never hear his uh, his accent unless he's like really tired or something. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. Because, you know, it's it, it people think that the Louisiana accent is a lot more apparent than it actually is. Mm. Yeah. I mean, when you get back into Cajun country, like it picks up, you know, yeah. it's just one of those things. And I think I think it's just like, you know, humans like we adapt, you know, like uh, who was it? I was um I was on this business call and I was talking to this person and they were in Dallas, I believe. And they were saying they dropped y'all a couple times. And I'm like, oh, where are you originally from? And she was like, Boston. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> picking up the language. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Well, it's funny, though, because so I lived in Ohio for like 
know, three and a half years or whatever. And three out of those three and a half years, my best friend out there was from Georgia. Mm-hmm. His whole family was just from outside of Atlanta. Yeah. And we had a bunch of, you know, West Virginia and Kentucky uh, transplants out to this rural area where we live. Mm-hmm. And I came back, I moved back to California and I was, I still say y'all, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, cause it just, it, you get that influence. You, you, it, it's once you get y'all as part of your, your vocabulary, it never truly leaves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know if like, I'm every time I try to like type y'all, I feel dumb. Right? Because I'm like, why it, apostrophe a L L is how I do it. Well, I'm like, is it two apostrophes? Is it Y a apostrophe L L? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Jeff Foxworthy was before he was like really big. He was a successful um, comedian in the South, obviously, and he yep. had all these like uh, tapes we'd bought so, the Southernisms and stuff. Yeah, the, like the words, right? Used to could, used to could. Yeah, I love. Yeah, sensuous. I told my old lady, sensuous up. Get me a beer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love. I love that man. That was that was so cool. He, he gets a lot. People clown on him a lot, but he be, mostly because his redneck bit got played up so much. Mm-hmm. But he's pretty talented. Although I I about lost my mind one time. I think I was probably too high to really properly believe that it was happening. Mm. I was browsing through Netflix, and you know, meanwhile I had I'd taken like a fifteen milligram edible and a couple beers in, and I'm sitting there like scrolling through Netflix, and click on it, and it's. Jeff Foxworthy hosting the American Bible Challenge. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like a Bible trivia show. It's freaking Jeff Foxworthy. Wow. Like, right. Yeah, he didn't he host another, like, he was hosting. Oh, so some, are you smarter than a fifth grader? That you, was his. That was his. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah but so uh, do you do stand up? Are you actively yeah, working? Yeah. I, uh, well, I would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my, so it's funny. So I started doing actual stand up like pr- a lot more consistently in the last couple of years. So okay. like I, 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 you know, I've done, um, you know, mostly open mics and stuff. And I yeah. just been a c- comedy competition. I've done a handful of gigs and stuff. And I had just done one of my more, I think, smoother sets, and I had a really good response. Uh, and some of the more expedient experienced comics that were there were like, man, you got some fire on you. You keep going. Mm -hmm. And that was my last time on stage before everything blew up. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Justin, who, who gets referenced on the show, we've got to have him on as a guest. Eventually I wouldn't get in this podcast off the ground. I wouldn't be doing anywhere near as much. I'm, I miss being on stage. It's the same adrenaline that I get when I'm on in like a, you know, eight foot wave that's almost vertical in it's drop. It's the same thing. And the difference about comedy, though, is that you get the consequences, but if you mess up, nobody's punching you in the face, at least probably not. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, you know, I've done a decent amount of speaking and I love being on stage, right? I, and it's like, it's so yeah. it's so difficult, right? Because a lot of times, like, when you're total and you're speaking and you're just, like, fucking rocking the audience, like, everybody's silent, you yeah. know? And occasionally you'll get someone, Woo! you know, just go crazy. But, um yeah, I've done a lot more, like, maybe not on the same scale as you have, but I've done, like, some keynote addresses and some, you know, motivational stuff. And you're like, there's always that certain level of restraint that you have to have. Because I can't start talking about being high watching Jack Foxworthy on Netflix right. when I'm giving a keynote speech in front of uh, educators at the University of Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, not an appropriate context for the story. Yeah, tough to, tough to sell that one. <laughs> 
So they're like, why did we hire this guy again? Well, you know, so <laughs> I was on a I was on a podcast. So I have had the let me I'll just do another reveal. I don't think that other podcast has gone um, has been published, but the um, I have been talking about doing stand up for years, and then on this last podcast interview that I did before this one, I was like, hey, no one knows this, but I'm going to start doing stand up, and I commit on this podcast to, you know, to hit the mic. And, yeah. and so, yeah, I, w- I would love to rap with you about that. Hell I, yeah, man. I, I just, I, I need to rap with you on getting my business shit in order because I love talking to people and telling my story, but I'm the worst marketer on the planet. Oh dude. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm so we, we, we have, we have, we have some off air conversating to do. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean the, I think like anything else, you know, Sometimes you get lucky, right? But the the real magic happens from just like doing the work. And I don't yep. I don't uh, want to underemphasize doing the right work, right? Like somebody could just be spending. Oh, their I've tires. I've spent I've spent my wheels so much wasting time on going down a rabbit trail of like, all right, well, you know, I've had I've had coaches who you, I mean, I actually have a lot of respect for, for some of the advancements that Tony Robbins has done and, mm-hmm. and things like that. He gets a lot of crap. He's, 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 he's got some valuable content that he's put out over the years. He's a legend. And, yeah, no, for hundred percent. I had a coach that worked with him and he taught me a lot, a bunch of stuff, but our personalities were just so different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just, it was like, well, hold on there, man. Like when you say this, you mean that when I say that I can't break myself of that definition. So we need to come up with this, with a different angle. And I ended up like what, when he's coaching me and trying to get me to write a book, the type of book that he would co- end up coaching me to finish was not the type of book that I wanted to release. So it was like, I'm wasting my effort here as much as this would be good for somebody else. This is not a good fit for me. Well, and I, would, I would even push on that. Like you don't need a book to speak. Like I didn't have a book yeah. before I started speaking. And you don't need to have you don't need to have a book. Well, I have. didn't have a book. I don't have a book still, and I've stopped. Now, granted, I don't have a lot of consistent. It's not all the time, but I've been paid to speak, mm-hmm. and I didn't have a book when I got paid to speak. Well, so clearly, it's not necessary. It's not this probably is, helps, but at a high level, I mean, we'll talk about this more. But for anybody, yeah. if this is valuable for anybody who's listening, at a high level, this is what it is. It is one. The, the foundation isn't the book. The foundation is having a website that sells to the event planner, that reduces risk for the event planner, that you've been to the end zone before and you're going to rock the audience. Because the worst thing, and people buy on emotion. And so the emotion that mm-hmm. they're struggling with, an event planner or the booker or the organizer or whoever's cutting the check, is that, is this person going to fuck up my event? Right. You know, they might be maybe they maybe they run four <laughs> events a year. Maybe it's one event a year. However many events their job is to make sure that everybody has an amazing time at the event. And so the keynote speaker kind of <laughs> critical in that event being amazing. And so one is, is the, the step. The first step is to get the website that makes it look like you've been to the end zone before Two, reach out to events like that's yeah. the one two step. And if you know, there's many, many things beneath that, right? Like, you, you know, like, you know, that your presentation has to be awesome, that, you know, um, you know, your contract, your agreement, like how you, how you email, what's your response, like what questions you ask and what's your cadence and what events mm-hmm. are you reaching out to? How do you reach out to those events? There's a lot of other stuff that goes underneath that. But the one, two punches is have a website that looks like you can fucking rock it. And then reach out to events and be like, hey, I can fucking rock it. 
Uh, uh, sounds like you have some visitors. Yeah, that's my daughter <laughs> trying to break in. So, yeah. So I apologize, everybody. Uh, you know, my my uh, my wife and daughter just came home, and so uh, my daughter just tried to break into my room. And um, <laughs> I think to, to, I have to pay the price. She just shat all over the floor right outside my room. So we'll see what happens. Well, you know, just just I think unfortunately you didn't catch it right away, so it probably won't be all that effective to rub her nose in it. Mm-mm. No, I mean, th- I mean that's been my motto from day one: is rub tr- rub rub their nose in it, just like a dog, <laughs> just like a dog. I mean, people think that I was abusive to my animals because I'd rub their nose and piss. I'm You're like, like, no, I do this to my daughter too, man. I'm what are you talking about? Seriously, <laughs> seriously, my guide daughter. <laughs> oh, have you got this too? Like, like, because I mean, your daughter's pretty young. She's what, like, still elementary school age, I think. Yeah, she's two but, and three months. Yeah, so they, they, uh, you'll probably get this when she hits about ten years old. Because my mom used to get this. Because my mom was also blind, actually. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, "Oh, it's so great that your your son takes care of you." <laughs> Dude, I was late. I'm like, you, you will. Get, I guarantee you, once she's old enough to talk to herself, they will say that shit. I mean, they do that stuff to me now. Like, granted, I mean, I don't have any kids, but my my wife is sighted, and so and and she does a lot for me just to kind of like, cause you know, especially when I was working full time and still trying to train and stuff, mm-hmm. she was, she, you know, the domestic duties kind of shifted and yeah. there's a lot, I'm not a naturally or not a naturally organized person. Yeah. And so b- between the two of us, she'll kind of remind me, are you still going to do that thing you said you were going to do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You yeah. know, things like that. And I, I'm, and so there's a lot of stuff I do that I could not do if she wasn't willing to drive and all that kind of stuff. But my wife does not take care of me, but I get that. Yeah. And you will get that as your kids grow older. Well, I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to my wife, you know, because like, if it wasn't for her, like I would have never made the Paralympics, like straight up would not have made it because, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I had to like basically rub her nose and piss and shit. Right. But, uh, to give her that, you know, somebody's going to hundred percent clip that out of context and cancel both of our asses soon. That's okay. That's okay. Cause I've got two fingers coming at you right up the middle. Um, yeah. And you know, but she was like, you know, um, it was so funny. So like when I, um, after, um, so after the national championships, uh, I I made uh, that's at the national championships, I made the U S national team. And then I, I was nominated to the, uh, pair Pan America team. So it was my first international event and they were like, Hey, yeah, you need, uh, you know, Rosa was my uh, long jump caller at nationals. And I had a sprinter and the, um, the sprinter wasn't fast enough. Like, you know, they could see that I was, I was literally, literally dragging. You were faster. Him. You were faster than your guy. Sprinter. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's a problem. That's actually a challenge I've had running is making like my wife's actually a, a really good runner. Mm-hmm. Not like I'm competing. I'm not competing for races totally and stuff, competing. but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, I haven't, because I'm taller, I have a naturally longer stride. Mm-hmm. And even though she's a more experienced runner than I am, yeah. it becomes challenging when she and I run together after a while a distance. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And so they were like, yeah, um, you need to get one guide, a sprinter and a long jump caller. And I was like, no, I'm not turning my back on my wife. And they're like, well, you're going to have to make a decision. And I was like, cool. My wife's going. And uh, then we immediately started training. 
like I was training her <laughs> to run the hundred, and uh, I was proud. That's, because, that's crazy, man. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool, though. That's like the level of commitment you have to have. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like, fucking like, yes, you have to take massive action. Like, if you're gonna do anything in life, you have to take massive motherfucking action. And I say motherfucking because it's massive doesn't qualify it. It, it needs to be visceral, though. Like, like when I. I, I was not good enough to do judo at the at the high level that I needed to do, but I knew that if I had any shot, I was going to have to do it full time. Well, yeah, not just full time, right? But like whatever it takes, yeah, you know. And fully. so like, so your wife driving you to places and making, you know, you having a support team fully. like that, you know. Dude, most of my surfing was like, if I was to take public transit to where I, you know, oftentimes surf even now, it would take me almost two hours to get there. Yeah. As it is now, it's like 35, 45 minutes. Yeah. And that's, you know, and sometimes I barely got any sleep. Like, no joke. I'm like, babe, I need to I need to crash. She will see how exhausted I am after having surfed that morning plus getting no sleep the night before. And she'll, you know what, hon, I'm going to, I'll rinse off your wetsuit. You go take a shower and, and crash. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, you, you don't do it if you don't have allies. I want to, I want to, I want to share a story. But before I do that, I'm excited yeah. Nick's so excited for the first time someone says to me um, that, man, it must be nice. Oh, it's so nice that your daughter takes care of you. <laughs> I'm so excited for that because I hope I hope it's going to happen, dude. It's going to happen. I hope I have to like I hope that I like at that moment I've been holding in just like, you know, a beer infused like day old shit and i drop trout and just lay it on the ground <laughs> and like thank god my daughter's here Dude, to i want to be I, I want to be with you it's some sort of like uh like blind sports legends party or something or whatever you oh know? my god yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> although maybe i don't want to be there because it might be kind of odorous yeah yeah it's, it's gonna be full of shit and ejaculate uh <laughs> Well, I'm glad we got the explicit tag on this episode. <laughs> so, you know, whatever it takes, right? So, you know, like coming out of Guadalajara at a gold medal, I was ranked fourth in the world. And I was like, oh, pff, I, you know, it's great what I'm doing down here in Tucson. But Rosa, bless her heart, you know, she got me this far. She's not going to help me take it to the next level. Like if I'm going to go to the Paralympics, mm-hmm. I got to go to Chula. I got to get to the Olympic Training Center. Yeah. Director, of, you know, so I applied – Right, I met all the criteria. Denied um, at a um, uh, what do they call it? Like sports camp or whatever. Like the national team, they every like so often, like six weeks or something, they all come out to the Olympic Training Center and we do these week long training camps or whatever. And I'm at I'm at one of these camps and I'm like, hey, uh, like I need a bet. Like I have to come out here. I'm going to make this team, like the Paralympic team. National team doesn't get you Paralympic rights. And I'm like, I'm going to make it. And she's like, yeah, but I'm not giving you a bed. I'm giving it to David. And I'm like, fuck you. You know, I didn't say that, but my heart. <laughs> right. Did. In your head. Yeah. yeah. In your heart. Yeah. And so it made me even go harder, you know, and I pushed myself. And then, so now I'm injured. And the next, uh, you know, that first track meet I was talking about earlier, the second one, 2012, like I had to come up with a big ass performance. Um, and I didn't, I'm, I'm hurt. And, um, I had a shitty jump. My hundred meter was slow. I did beat David in the hundred meter though. 
and um, he's already moved into the Olympic Training Center. And um, so I think I heard an interview with him, actually. He was on Mike Lloyd's podcast a while back. Yeah. And uh, so I'm just like, you know, whatever it takes. Right. It's like meditation, visualization, nutrition, uh, you know, fitness, um, everything. Right. Sleep, uh, recovery, um, Mm -hmm. taking care of yourself. And so, like, I just in my meditation, like I'm seeing myself like wake up at the Olympic Training Center. Like I'm seeing myself at the track and like that's when it hits me. Like, oh, motherfucker. Like, I'm just going to show up. Like, I'm just going to go. Like, I'm going to lift in that weight room. I'm going to run on that track. I'm going to do it all the way to London. And if they don't want to give me a bed, then I'll make a fucking bed. I'll sleep there. Just might not be on the Olympic Training Center grounds. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it. And Rose was like, "How are you gonna get the money to do that?" I was like, "I don't know. Put it in a credit card. I don't know. I'm gonna do it." And so at uh, Desert Challenge, when I'm all hurt, I tell my, uh, I tell my guide runner Jay, Jay Slade. Fucking shout out to Jay, insane guy. His dad, Pastor Roland Slade, motherfucking amazing family um i tell him he's like what are you gonna do i don't know i told him i was like i don't know i'm gonna get an apartment i'm gonna do something but i'm gonna be there and i'm coming and it's like okay and like a week later he calls me and he's like hey like um my dad wants to like you know my dad's got this house and he wants to give you a room and i'm like oh thank thank you (laughs) jesus and uh so i go i show up on a sunday land on a sunday Monday we practice, Tuesday we practice, Wednesday we practice, Thursday's the first track meet. It's at the Olympic Training Center. It's a qualifying meet. And uh, my first jump, I, you know, fuck up and I hit the side of the pit and I'm bleeding all over the place. And they're like, yeah, you can't jump till that gets all cleaned up. It takes forever for sports med to come and clean it up. So we get six jumps total, right? And so that was the first jump. We, as soon as I get bandaged up, we run back over. I'm panting. I just missed my fifth jump. They're about to start the sixth flight. Mm. And they're like, no, 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 you can go. You can go. And I'm like, <laughs> and then, you know, it's like, you know, uh, and I jump and it's like, you know, it's a shitty jump. I'm all tired and, and flustered. And so we rest and, we, and it's the sixth jump. It's the final jump of the day. And, um, and I come down and I jump and I'll never forget this moment. Like you, you know, like how we can see like through our ears. And so mm-hmm. I'm just so laser focused on Jay and I'm coming and like, I see him like just in front of me to the left, but I put my foot down and I put it down so fucking hard and I make this huge jump. It's a big jump. I know it's a great jump. And Coach Craig Poole, Dr. Craig Poole, like I'm not – I'm like in the sand, like trying to climb out of the sand. And he runs up on me. You missed the board. You you jumped in front of the board. What were you doing? And I just said, you know, I was just doing my best. And um, they call out the jump. And it was, uh, I believe it was 5.92 meters. 
And um, so that got me the A standard. And, you know, so I get a bump in, in pay. Uh, you know, Lex, i never forget this. Lex probably long forgot it, but like I'm getting all cleaned up. You know, I still got that, like my legs all chopped up and I'm getting fixed up in the sports med. Lex comes in the back door. Whoa. You know, he knows I'm in there. Oh, a standard, you know? <laughs> and dude, it was, we were just, it was like electric. And, uh, you know, so meetings happen, phone calls happen, uh, Monday, uh, Sunday or Monday, they give me a call and they're like, Hey, um, come on down. Like we got a bed for you here. And it's just like, you know, if I didn't do that, like if I didn't do whatever it took, sure. It would have never happened. And, you know, so, so I can't wait for the moment when someone says to me, Oh my God, it's so great so great that your daughter takes care of you <laughs> and i pull out my ass and shit on the floor right there <laughs> and i wipe her face in it <laughs> uh, yeah mm. that gets me i i get so fired up telling that story because that's a dope story man and like that's that's real though and that's the thing. People people think, well, how hard is it to run? How hard is it to jump? Like, like these are people who have no idea. No clue. No clue. Yeah, it's like uh, sometimes people, like, say that I'm cocky or arrogant or something like that. I'm so, you know, you kind of got to be, though, right? Like, in, in, like inside, I'm, I'm so <clears throat> I'm so not like I'm, I'm actually scared, you know, and. But, you know, I do, but I am confident in myself, right? But, like, there's, sure. like, this weird dichotomy going on. And I said, bro, like, you know, for everybody that says that, I was like, you've never been to the top. And you never will be. Because everybody, everybody that steps on the line in the 100-meter final, even when they're standing next to Usain motherfucking Bolt, everybody knows they're going to win. Knows it. And that's different than believing it. Yeah. If they didn't know it, they wouldn't be in that heat. They wouldn't be in the final. I think that anybody who's never, comp unless you've competed, and I, I don't know what it's like to compete running, obviously, um, but when it comes to my experience surfing, right? Like when, um, my, uh, I, I was thinking back to when I had to beat the, the former U S champ, um, cause you know, surfing is not in the Paralympics. We basically have the, the ISA worlds every mm -hmm. year or whatever, but not, um, in 2018, when I became the U S champ for the first time, it was my then current coach's former athlete that I was competing against. Mm. And, I'd been surfing for less than a year with any kind of instruction. And like you're talking about that, that knowledge, that sort of, well, of course I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. If I, you know what I mean? And going into it, I had a vitamin D deficiency. So I was weak, mm. <laughs> you know, so like nowhere near as powerful of a story. I wasn't injured going in, but yeah. like you have to have that attitude. Mm-hmm. 
every single, you know, otherwise like, well, like, like, um, the, there was one time where I actually had to compete, uh, injured. I had hyperextended, um, actually, no, I had actually, but every single time I've ever won big, I've had an injury mm. and that, that sort of that almost bordering on arrogance knowledge that I'm going to win. I'm going to be at the top had to be there. Otherwise I'd be like, you know, it's not safe. I have a sprained wrist. I can't pop up fast enough to on my board mm. or, um, I feel too weak because I haven't gotten proper nutrition. So I, you know, you'll, you'll give up sooner. You won't, you won't put that extra level of intensity into your performance. You know, it's, it's just, and then you're, you're kind of like, the moment you start thinking, oh, I'm just going to play it safe, you've already lost. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it makes me think about like when you were saying before, like that you, you grew up and you weren't that athletic. And I wasn't. I, wanna, like, I really wasn't. I want to push back though. I want to push back. Like you, you just didn't have, you just didn't have the chance to demonstrate your athleticism in, in the way that you were designed to, to do. Like if you, if you're on the board one year, and you're a fucking U.S. champion. Like you just didn't have you just didn't have the opportunity, the medium, to channel the greatness that was inside you. Thanks for that. Some people play chess. Some people ride waves. Yeah. No, that's that's dope, man. I appreciate that. It's it's, it's real. I mean, I, you know, I would love to surf. Like I have this like idea of like, oh man, it'd be so cool to surf. Like, Hey, whenever you want to come out to San Diego, man, we'll take you out in the water. Dude, no problem. National champ riding me. Hell yeah. Oh, you come be, out there. We're going to paddle for sure. I could be spot for your board. You know what I mean? Like the dog up front. <laughs> <laughs> Got the eye patch. It works perfect. For for most of my uh, my competition, I actually I shaved it like uh, beginning of this year. But I had a big old you know fuck off beard, and I like I looked like a if I didn't trim it, I'd look like a a drunken pirate that was been sleeping under a rock for a little bit. So <laughs> so I never I never surf with an eye patch, but I I want to if I especially if I grow my beard back. Uh, this uh, this chick Darian from from Hawaii, uh, she's a, an above the limb. Um, surfer where she has a th- uh, doesn't you have, have use of one of her arms but mm. she's like uh, yeah man you got to do double eye patches yes you know like to wear two eye patches go full pirate you know <laughs> dude you or or you go blind ninja you have like you have the gi on and just a full fucking blindfold get, get pretty waterlogged <laughs> not gonna lie but <laughs> I gotta figure out some sort of like kimono uh, you know thing Whatever. Actually, what I do need to do is get like a freaking uh, Jedi symbol on my uh, my rash guard because I, I had a friend of mine give me the nickname Joshua the Jedi, and I, I dude that that's that makes me sound so much more arrogant than I actually am. Like I didn't come up with it, but you, dude, somebody gives you that, you run with it. Yeah, you know, of course. So, no, I, I need to get some sort of like custom decal or something or whatever, some sort of you know, get Lucas or uh, Disney to sponsor me or some shit. I don't. Yeah. I don't think the force is channeled through arrogance. <laughs> No, nah, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, man. I uh, 
you're obviously you're great at what you do. And I, oh, thanks it, dude. And I, and I, you know, and I say that for you, you know, because I, I want you to know, like, as, as, as an observer, as us, this is the first time we've had a conversation. Right. But like for other people out there, like if you feel like you suck, like you just haven't found the right thing that you're awesome at. And it's like, you know, that's why I'm so excited to try so many different things. Like I could blow balls at comedy. If I work hard at it, I could probably be decent. Right. I could blow balls at surfing. And if I work hard at it, I could probably be decent. But if I keep working and trying different things, I'm going to find something that I'm fucking phenomenal at. What what are you going to find? Clearly, you're a pretty cool dude. You found surfing, like I'm. I'm good at, at projecting, you know, a uh, misinformation. You know, Baghdad Bob and I from uh, for those of us who are old enough to remember that shit from, you know, I took lessons from him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fucking fake news. Oh man. Hey, uh, I don't know if this is pushing the envelope too much. Go for it, dude. What do you think about the uh, the current political climate right now? Well, at the risk of alienating everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Like politics are those things like uh, Uh, that you don't. Trump is a fucking toddler. Yeah. 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 For what? Number one, Trump is a toddler. Uh, You lost. Get a fucking get over it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, that being said, right, I can't people on, uh, you know, real like go home, you know, like real enthusiastic people on the left leaning into things can't ignore that 71 million people voted for Donald Trump. He's a toddler and people still voted for him. Yeah. You can't dismiss that perspective. You, you know, you, there, there is no one person. And I had somebody the other day say, Oh, well, Joe Biden wants to do this, this, and this. Well, you know what? There's rhetoric on both sides. Sure. There's rhetoric on both sides. And yet at the same time, Unfortunately, we got a situation where we have all been spun up, right? We've all been sitting here. 2020 has been the weirdest fucking year. There are people who lived in the 60s in, you know, during the Watts, you know, the, all the, the Black Panther stuff and, and people who were there for the Watts riots way back in the day. And none of them, they'll say, we've never seen anything like this. Even yeah. my, my mother-in-law, who's 82, Right. Her parents went through the through the depression. Yeah. She's never seen anything like this. Yeah. So so you you got a a, the single you know, you got um, the year started with Australia on fire. Then we had uh, coronavirus. We already had a contentious political climate to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, And then. Uh, you, you throw in coronavirus, you throw in George Floyd and mm. for more, you know, all of that. And the fact that all of us haven't been able to work, you know, I mean, Andrea and I, my wife, we had to shut down our barely opened martial arts school mm. and try and figure out a way to kind of do, you know, like if it wasn't for the fact that um, at the time I hadn't fully made the transition off of government assistance mm. and I got like uh, a section eight voucher, I'd be screwed, dude. Yeah. I'd be absolutely screwed. So like we have all this stuff going on during the course of this year and people are wound up. I, it, it's going to take a minute for us to extricate ourselves yeah. just because I don't like Donald Trump. And I think he's wildly immature. Doesn't mean that you can dismiss his supporters. Yeah. And just because, um, 
you know, I, I do have some issues with uh, with Joe Biden for sure. You know, it's like I feel like you could at least have a conversation with him, and he's not going to just like blubber his way. Through. You're going to actually be able to get in wordage, word in edgewise, but that doesn't mean he's perfect either. People are complex. There's layers to this shit, <clears throat> you know. And I think that we got to like start being complete dicks to each other, and to try to focus on some solutions. Otherwise, it, it's going to get worse. Yeah, you know, I uh, recently uh, heard 100% on everything, you know, that you said. I think that um, we're in crazy times. And to me, you know, mind blown about, like, the support of that base, right? 71 million people. You cannot just blow that, like, like oh, they don't matter. No, that's 71 million people. Yeah. And, and, but here's the other side of that coin. So if you think about the, like historically, um, John F. Kennedy, um, he won the presidency with, uh, less votes than, um, like in a, in a smaller percentage than yep. Joe Biden did. So Joe Biden blew out, uh, Jack Kennedy's win, Richard Nixon's win and Ronald Reagan's win. And, you know, you know, fuck Nixon. Right. But, you know, John F. Kennedy is on money or excuse me, currency. And, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan and Kennedy have airports named after them. Right. So, you know, there's there's something to say about the volume of uh, of Trump's base. But I think there's greater volume in the margin of victory that Joe Biden pulled off, given the insane loyal base. Hundred percent, I'm I'm with you. Um, you you can't dismiss it, and I think that's really the kind of the bigger thing is you can't not you cannot dismiss that we are in a state of flux. Mm-hmm. We can we we can if we weather this, right. It's like when it's it, it kind of makes me think of I'm, I'm stretching here, but I'm using a, an athletic analogy, mm-hmm. right? You train hard up to a certain point. Training hard will accomplish some amazing results. Yeah. And the goal of every athlete who has a strong work ethic is to come right up to that line without fucking your whole body up. Mm hmm. Because you absolutely can. Yeah. I mean, I just got done, and I don't know if it was from training or what it was. I just got head hernia surgery like a little over three weeks ago. Mm. So I'm just, I'm, You're I'm healing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm healing, thankfully, actually. Um, but you can overdo it. And you can, if we, if we correct too much in a different direction, we can mess this up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's it's fucking wild out there. I am I am so nervous about um, the future. More from a, uh, an economic standpoint, um, uh, I think the political unrest is crazy. I I hope that um, we don't have an environmental, um, you know, or excuse me, political um, cataclysmic events that you know divide this nation any further. I, I hope that something larger – it's like it's, it's sad, right? But I hope something larger happens so that we can become more unified again. I think 
the thing that gives me a little bit of hope in this whole thing, like aside from, you know, trying to speak with hyperbole and uh, as much as I, by the way, I wish Donald Trump would have stayed out of politics and just gone into stand up comedy because he'd be freaking hilarious if he did. Mm, um, he'd but, be the best. He'd be the best. He'd have the most beautiful sets. <laughs> by the way, I don't want to, no spoilers, but the, uh, the second episode of the new Animaniacs, they totally uh, take the piss out of Trump and it's freaking hilarious. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, no, and it's described on Hulu, by the way. Oh. Um, but uh, you know, the the thing is that gave me a little bit of hope. Two things that gave me hope is I was expecting after the election for mass chaos. I mean, I they had in La Mesa, which is the town that I live in, just outside of San Diego. Um, they they burned down like two banks. Mm. They had when the when the riots happened, so it got crazy, crazy here. Dude. Yeah, it got nuts, and I was expecting that. I was expecting that, and we didn't have that. And so that's the first thing that that gave me hope that we were. Str- yeah, there were, you know, people weren't happy, and yeah, there's the whole uh, weirdness of all the lawsuits and Rudy, Rudy Giuliani trying to do references for my cousin Vinny. Holy crap, you got to check that out. Uh, <laughs> complete I, yeah, train wreck. It, yeah, and so you have all that train wreck, but people still haven't burned shit down, and. Um, and maybe this is easy for me to say because I'm technically a Democrat as far as my political affiliation. It's some some of that's expediency, I guess. But um, is I heard whether it was uh, Joe Biden's speechwriter or just his delivery or whatever, he sounded like a president on it during his victory speech. Mm. And I think I'm cautiously optimistic that – between now and June, assuming we don't go off the rails deeply and and we don't like make things worse for for people that are doing their best, right? If we do it right, we could be in a way better spot come July. Mm-hmm. But this, I, I really do feel like this next, you know, six, seven, eight months is going to make all the difference. And if we can weather this next half a year, I think we'll. I don't. I, I maybe it's just the optimi- optimist in me, but I, I honestly don't think we're. Uh, it, it's it's like. Have you have you ever been in like a just really f- like chaotic uh, relationship where you're you're dating somebody and you just it's it's fun but it's so chaotic and you just can't like you just can't with it, or you've known people who have been in relationships where you're like, dude, how do you even live? Dude, you guys fight all the time and you're constantly stressed out or whatever. Yeah. And you don't realize how bad it is until after you're out of it. Yeah. And then you kind of take that few months to work on yourself and you're like, oh, all right, I got this shit. Yeah, that's and called feel growth, like th- but some people just like that. Some people some like people, the stress, some, some people yeah. like the hate, some people like the fights. Well, because we had – you know, we don't have another four years of Trump regardless. There's I'm cert- holding out. There's, what's that? I'm holding out. Right. <laughs> um, you'd be holding out for a long time. Let's go, Georgia. Uh, <laughs> they just certified the election, dude. Fuck. <laughs> um, I feel like some sanity re- returning to this thing, even if, you know, there, there's the potential, right? We can have some reasonable dialogue, reasonable communication. Maybe then uh, some normalcy will help. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, again, maybe it's just the optimist in me, but, you know, I, uh, I, 
the the political stress for me is is the division of a nation and the other stress the capitalist in me is stressed about my about uh my investments <laughs> yeah see I'm, I'm i'm not deeply invested but what i would like to do is to be able to actually market and i have more students that want to train with me than i can really i have a couple of people i'm teaching on the on the quiet and you know basically they're all related they're all pretty safely you know mm-hmm. not uh infected or whatever but i have tons of people who want to train with me and i can't teach them I can't I can't open up a dojo right now because you know I can't I it's just what are you going to do you know so they're they're in terms of being able to safely open up that is I, I get that side of it so I I uh, I need to get going but I wanted to ask you if, uh, a couple last questions okay well, I, I like this turning of the of the tables before we uh, we close out favorite beer it's it's a tough one uh, but it's. I actually like the flavor of Stone Arrogant Bastard better, mm. but my go-to is often their their uh, Stone IPA. Mm. Mm. Yours before we close out. It's uh, it's from um, the village from of Justin Romack. It's called Contract Killer. Okay, Contract I'm gonna have to Killer. try it now. Yeah, well, it's in Texas. It I've looked for it everywhere in. Uh, Apparently it's like some uh, Mr. Romack. I'm gonna Venmo you. You're gonna send send each me and uh, uh, Tanner here a care package. We'll figure something out, man. It's like this crazy stout that tastes like coffee, and it's like, oh my god, this is like cold coffee but beer. Amazing. Like, like there the are more breweries per capita in San Diego County. You come out here to go surf. We'll go surfing, and then we'll hit up a couple of local breweries out here. There are more breweries per capita in San Diego County than there are in the entire country of Belgium. Ooh, I love it. So, hey, right on, man. Uh, I, since since you got to wind things up, thanks for speaking up because we can go long around here. No, oh, well, I, yeah, I had I had more questions, but you're right. We should probably wrap it up. Oh well, if you got more questions, feel free. If you, I got the, a minute the, or two, what's the biggest wave? Uh, probably about 10 feet for me. Wow. wow. And then, and that's, I mean, that's scary shit. Honestly, it, we could be talking more like eight or nine. I, this is a huge, you know? like the strength, like you say 10 feet is like, Oh, it's like my, my, you know, the, the, the ceiling's 10 feet tall. And it's like, yeah, but like mother nature, 10 feet, that is powerful. And, and it scared the shit out of me when I did it too. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Cause it was almost like a straight vertical drop. Right. Yeah. You know, and I'm getting there and it's, sometimes it's not always about the size of the wave, right? Sometimes it's about the, yeah. we get to have fun. Yeah. Honestly, the coolest experience surfing was, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I didn't even surf that big a wave. We were talking like maybe four or five feet, but what was cool is there was a whole freaking pot of dolphins. Mm-hmm. You know, one was bre- One was breaching like less than 30 feet away from my board. It was so dope. Final question. Should San Diego beaches be mandatory topless? Nah, because <laughs> nah, I I, I am res- I am a respecter of uh, all body shapes, sizes, and dimensions, but uh, nah, I got I got I'm just saying I've got nipples too. I got nipples too. Mm-hmm. Um, I got hair in my chest, and there are people who self-identify as female that got hairy chest than me. So that's we'll we'll, we'll leave hey. it there on that. 
cool, man. Hey, thank you so much, Joshua. For Hell yeah! Don't go show. anywhere. We got to make sure we get this upload. Yep. And uh, but as always, you guys, adventure is a state of mind. How you live it is up to you. Topless. <laughs> <laughs>